Welcome to The Rock Church, a vibrant, enthusiastic, edgy church meeting in West Bridgeford, Nottingham. You can find out more about us by visiting the-rock.org.uk. We hope you were blessed by this message. Just as we're about to get serious, who's up for the Word of God this morning? I'm going to invite Pastor Ali up to the stage right now. Let's give him a huge hand. Well, good morning, everybody. What a great morning. What a great day. What a great couple. Tom, you've done it. You've done it. I mean, you got there and you did it. You've done exceptionally well. Shall I tell you why? I mean, you know this already, but this woman is a detail woman. Of all the men that she might have scanned and detailed, you came <laughs> to the surface. I, I'm being serious. She's picky. <laughs> you have married into a picky family, a detail family. Jill, hello. We've met in the flesh for the first time. Good morning to you. Um, Jill is a detailed person. Emma's a detailed person. I know Jill's a copywriter and editor. So she, like probably five of us in the room, would be like focusing on the you that was missing from the word savior in the worship, right? We were there. Emma was there. Jill was there. I was there. Was anybody else there? Right, yeah. I see that hand. Anyone else? Yeah, yeah. At the back. Yeah, we need prayer, basically. Okay. So um, just go easy on us. Uh, this is a new era for you two. You know that, right? Obviously, without stating the obvious. But I just want to felt to say to you from the outset this morning that as in the spiritual, uh, as in the natural, so in the spiritual. So I want you to um, expand your minds from this point on. Not just that you are married, you're man and wife, but you are together, as Kate said, you are one, and you are one in spirit, not just flesh. And I wanted to encourage you both with, with this, to, to move into, to be active, to be proactive, to move into the things that God has for you as a couple as well as individually, okay? So step into it. Don't wait for it. Step into it. As you step into it, you will experience it, and you will flourish in it. Amen? I was hoping for a little bit more of an amen because I just felt a little bit more stirred in my spirit than the response I got. Um, I'm sure I have got it right. I, I, I want to give you a message. I want to give you a verse this morning. I, I want to give it to all of us because it applies to all of us, but specifically to your good selves. Um, it's a proverb, and, and I believe this proverb will guard you, will guide you, if you focus in on it, if you see the truth in it, if you believe in it, if you act it out, your life will flourish. Okay? Because we all know, we should know, that the greatest thing in the world is love. Love conquers all. Everybody... I'm taking has got some kind of relationship, whether it's a spouse, whether it's family, whether it's friendships. We know what it is to love, and we know what it is to be loved. But love, I'm going to be a little bit controversial, just to make the point. Love is not the ultimate goal. 
But to flourish in love is the ultimate goal. Because we can be in a marriage, we can be in a relationship, we can be in a friendship where there is true, genuine love. But how many of you know, if you want to be honest and and give give me an amen, how many of you know that you can be in love but you can be in hurt? You can be disjoined, you can be disunited, but you can still be in love. Here's the verse. Proverbs 17, 9 says this, love prospers when a fault is forgiven, but dwelling on it separates close friends. You can be in love with someone, but your faults can bring separation. I'm not talking about divorce. I'm talking about just being off. You know what? Did anyone know when you're just off with someone? Does anyone want to be honest and say they've been off with someone recently? Maybe even on the way in today. I was a couple, a couple of making up at the back there. So it's beautiful. It's beautiful. Love prospers when a fault is forgiven. You see, you've got to be in that place of forgiveness, not just thinking about it, certainly not out of it, because if you're out of it, that's when separation comes. I want to give you three quick points this morning. I'm not going to speak for long. The first one is this. Forgiveness is necessary. Okay, I've I've pretty much said that already, but let me start with the obvious. Let me start with the foundation. The kids have gone out, and um, that's appropriate because I want to tell uh, a little illustration of a Sunday school teacher who had just finished her lesson and wanted to make sure that she had made her point to the kids. So she asked the class, can anyone tell me what you must do before you can obtain forgiveness of sin? Little Johnny was at the back trying to get the teacher's attention. So she went to him and says, the answer is Sin. You've got a sin to ask for forgiveness. Again, the illustration didn't land too well. Maybe I'll work on my delivery. But the point is this. You have got to sin to obtain forgiveness of sins. I'm not advocating that you all sin. I'm not encouraging you to sin. You need no encouragement to sin. Did you know that? From the moment you popped out of the womb... You inherently knew what it was to sin. In fact, Romans 3.23 says, All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. I'm not talking to anybody in this place who knows how to sin quite easily. Now you're getting on board. The rest of you will cast out that spirit of lies after the service. If you want to form a queue here, we've got people who will pray with you. We all sin. You don't have to teach a kid. Anybody got kids like under five? Yeah, they're all kind of camp around here, most of them, but yeah, you don't have to teach them how to sin, right? Your job in life, one of your main jobs is to teach them how to be good, and that's not always easy, but we have to trust uh, in God with that, and we have to leave that with the Lord much of the time, but we must put the effort in to teach people how to be good, so sin is, is there for us, Sin happens. Sin takes place probably more regularly than we think. But 
The goal is that we forgive sin. In the Gospels, the disciples were with Jesus. He was teaching them as he did, and, and, and they got curious at one point. And in Matthew 6, uh, it says, uh, Jesus says, for if, you forgive others peop- for if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. And here's, here's the, the mic drop moment. He doesn't finish there. Jesus says, but if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. If you are a believer of Christ in this place this morning, if you follow the Lord, if you have given your life to the cause of Christ, if you have got unforgiveness in your heart, it will hold you back in your relationship with God and in your relationship with other people. The separation comes. Now, who can separate us from the love of God? What can separate us from the love of God? Absolutely nothing. But your relationship, your closeness to the Lord, your closeness to those who have maybe offended you will suffer, will diverse, will come apart. That's why it's crucial, it's crucial that above the forgiveness of our sins that we get to spend eternity with God in heaven, we need to continually live in Forgiveness. Forgiveness should be the norm. Matthew 18, Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? Seven is a, is a complete number in the Bible, and, and Peter was suggesting this is, this is the, the complete number. This is the maximum number. This is the holy number. I mean, it's hard enough for one, but I'll go seven because it's a, it's a scriptural, spiritual, holy number. And Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. He wasn't saying 77 times seven, 490 times. He was saying an infinite amount of time. He was saying don't have the mentality and the attitude that when somebody hurts you or offends you, you've got to muster up the courage. You've got to, you've got to focus on the cross. You, well, focus on Jesus. You've got to focus on, on, on generating the courage uh, and the, the energy to forgive someone so that you can be forgiven. He's not saying that. He's saying live continually in forgiveness. It's got to be an attitude. Martin Luther, Luther King said, forgiveness is not an occasional act. It's a constant attitude. Friends, I want to encourage you. And Tom and Emma, to, right from the outset, if you, if you haven't got there yet, if you have, praise God. But I want to encourage you with everyone else to make sure that you live in an attitude of forgiveness. Because There will come a time, you've been married how long, like 20 minutes, something like that. Um, There will come a time very, very soon, you've hardly spoken to each other, but you will have to extend forgiveness to one another very soon. You know that, don't you? I'm trying to make this a bit more encouraging, but I'm going to get there. (laughs) The encouragement is to adopt the attitude, and for us all, for us all to come out of this place 
with a different perspective on forgiveness. How do we get that perspective? We get that perspective by focusing on the fact that Christ died for us, for you and for me. The man Jesus Christ from heaven took on human form, God incarnate, takes himself through obedience to the cross. Why? Because he loves us so much. Because it was only through his sacrifice that the forgiveness of sins can be appropriated, can be taken a hold of. And when we see everything that Christ had to go through, he had to suffer, the beatings, the mocking, how can we not receive that forgiveness and just give such a fraction of that away? If we live with the story of Christ, the sacrifice of Christ, constantly in our ram, at the back of our memory, ready to come to the front any time we need it, and freely giving forgiveness, we will flourish in love for one another. We will truly flourish. Because the one thing that unforgiveness does is that it imprisons ourselves. It imprisons us. When we don't forgive, we are the ones who suffer. Has anybody experienced that? The problem is, not everybody has experienced the freedom from that prison of unforgiveness because they harbor offense. Some people, even in this room, maybe online, you, you've, you've got now echoing, and I believe God might be bringing to remembrance words that were spoken over you, things that were done to you, even maybe years, decades, generations ago, which are still harboring, which are holding you back, which are imprisoning you. And here's the thing. What we do a lot of the time is, is we put them under the carpet. We sweep them away, but they are still there. I believe this morning, God, by the power of his spirit, wants to lovingly bring those issues, bring those hurts, bring those offenses, bring those upsets to the surface. Some of those things are, are, are small. They were just maybe things that were spoken over us, maybe just some kid in a playground maybe when we were at school and said something and we've, we've never let go. For others, total injustices in life that w nobody deserves, let alone us. There's a whole range of things, but God sent Jesus Christ, his one only son, so that we could be forgiven from the smallest offense to the largest offense. It doesn't matter how big or how small it is, if we don't forgive in the model of Christ forgiving us, we imprison ourselves. And I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you this morning to live in freedom. To live in absolute freedom. To flourish. To prosper in every area of life. There's a, a Hebrew word, shalom. We get, it gets translated as peace. But it means so much more than peace. It, it, the, the, so the, the Hebrew words have so much more meaning a lot of the time than our English words. And it means to prosper, to be whole, to be at peace. And, and my prayer and my desire and God's desire is that we all go away from this place 
in that shalom of God, in that peace, to be whole. Not to live in hurt, but to live in wholeness. My final point is this, is that forgiveness needs to be accepted. After meditating on several scriptures, an American lawyer decided to cancel the debts of all his clients that owed him money for more than six months. He drafted a letter explaining the decision based on several scriptures and sent 17 debt counseling letters via certified mail. One by one, the letters were returned to the postal service, unsigned and undelivered. 16 of the 17 letters came back to him because the clients refused to sign for and open the envelopes, fearing that this lawyer was suing them for their debts. Friends, we owe a debt for our sin, but God has canceled it. Too many people will not even open the letter that explains how he did it and how they can walk free from it. It's called the Bible. It's called the Holy Scriptures, the Word of God. And I'm going to end with a final piece of scripture if the band want to come up. It's this, Ephesians 1, 7. It says, He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his Son and forgave our sins. God is so rich in kindness. He is so loving toward us. His creation. He's full of grace. So much so that he sent his own son, Jesus Christ, on the cross. And through his blood, we could receive forgiveness of our sins. This is the good news of Jesus Christ. I don't know. I, I know a lot of you in this room. I don't know all of you. And even the people that I know, I don't truly know you. I don't truly know what's going on inside your heart. I don't know whether there's offense there. I don't know whether there's unforgiveness there. For those of you I don't know, I, 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 I haven't got a clue. But I know somebody who knows you inside out. Inside out. He's the one who created you. Just for a moment, would you, would you just go on a little journey with me for a minute or two? And just not listen so much to what I'm saying, but listening to what your creator is saying. Maybe you don't even think that there is a creator and you are the product of a big bang. Well, I've not got a massive problem with that theory, but who created the bang? Who created the bang? Who created the substance of the bang? I want to declare that God, in this place, I want to declare that God is for us. That God is our creator. That God is the one who knows us inside out. This is emotive stuff that I'm talking about now. Because when we get down, deep down, deep, deep, deep down, under the carpet, everywhere, and expose our thoughts, they're not great, are they? They're not great. 
Mine aren't always great, but God knows them. God sent Jesus so that I could be free from everything that would hold me back to a life flourishing in His love so that my relationship with Him can prosper, my relationship with my wife can prosper, my relationship with my friends and family can prosper. I'm not an expert, but He is. And He shows me and guides me and He shows you and guides you. Maybe we could all just stand to our feet if we're able. I would like to, I would love to be able to pray um, just for you, Tom and Emma, and just finish off by praying for us all. Father God, we thank you for this wonderful couple that you have joined together. We speak a blessing over them, a blessing of a flourishing relationship. May they, from this moment, live in a new level of forgiveness, a new level where they can so easily, uh, it's not easy, but so easily engage with the process of forgiveness. And for everybody else in this room, where there is hurt, will you surface it now? Will you surface it now, Lord? And I'm going to pray. So I'm going to pray. You know, we were praying before the service, and a couple of us were mentioning that Jesus performed his first public miracle at a wedding at Cana. And you often hear about that at wedding ceremonies. I, 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 right now, an even greater miracle of turning water to wine can take place if you will engage by faith. And that is that for some people in this room, where offense and hurt has come, You've thought that you will never be able to do it, but by the power of God that is in this room right now, that is, uh, that I pray will enter your soul and your spirit, will rise up and give you the strength to forgive where you need to forgive. You are going to be free from this day forward. You are going to flourish as you move out of this place. You will not look back. Look, forgiveness doesn't change the past, but it totally changes your future. Right now, Right now, people in this room who just got an ounce, just an ounce of faith, that God might be able to strengthen them, to forgive their debtors, to forgive those who have sinned against them, to forgive those who have deeply hurt them, to forgive those who, whose words are echoed, have echoed in their minds over years and decades and generations. Right now, for, by the power of, the, of God, would you forgive those who have sinned against you. And some of you, some of you in this place, I just really sense God saying this, that you're struggling to forgive yourself. God can give you the power right now to forgive yourselves. Friends, if it's you, forgive yourself just as God forgave you. Thank you, Lord. May we go from this place rejoicing, thankful, full of gratitude for what you did in forgiving our sins. And may we adopt that attitude of forgiveness towards everyone. Give us the strength to do it, Lord, because we need it. But let us walk in that in the name of Jesus. We're going to worship. I think we're going to sing gratitude, right? Nice link. See, see what we did there, everyone. Let's worship, and then Kate's going to come back and finish things off. <laughs>